Welcome back, everybody, to another CC Football Podcast episode. And this time, we're actually in the Premier League. Clay, how does it feel to be in the season? feels great. I think that most people will agree that the first game week lived up to and exceeded most everybody's expectations. It was great to have the fans back in the stands. And yeah, it was, it was just a great, great feeling and a great, great weekend. Yeah, I just feel like this time around, for some reason, maybe I'm wrong, but it just feels more exciting. Um, maybe that's because... Actually, I have no idea why. Maybe it's because the fans are back. Um, I'm, I'm just more excited for this season than I have been for seasons in the past, which is saying a lot. I agree. I think that um, just because there's seemingly, even though City would be the odds-on favorite to win, there is going to be uh, there's going to be there's no clear number one team this year, and not even two clear teams. We have four teams that could realistically win the the Prem, and top to bottom, there's a lot of, uh, I guess you could say, equality in terms of at least for the Premier League standards, obviously there's never going to be uh, pure equality in, in terms of quality of, of the club's teams, but you don't really know. There's not three teams that are obvious to go down and there's not one or two teams that are obvious title contenders, right? So there's just a lot of a lot to play for. And I mean, like I said, the atmospheres in the first game were just amazing. Yeah, unbelievable. Speaking of, we can, we can even... Get started with the first game we wanted to discuss. Um, talk about an atmosphere, the Arsenal-Brentford game. Wow. Yeah. What were your thoughts on the first game kicking off the season? Couldn't have asked for much better, really. Yeah, what about the bees, the busy bees? And it actually wasn't <laughs> your man, Ivan Tony, uh, who scored the goals, even though he scored most of the goals last year and broke the, as you said, the championship record for most goals scored in the season. Um, but they actually got goals from two other players and... Man, I think that it was that was such a fun game for the the Premier League to start off with. I mean, you know, Brentford had been out of the Premier League for a really long time, and this was their first game back. And they was it the first game back or was it their first game ever? I forget. But either way, they hadn't been in the Premier League for a really, really long time. And the atmosphere was just electric. And I think it really got to Arsenal and they put forth a arsenal performance that you would probably not be surprised with last year so for me it's a little bit of a reason to concern with arsenal um but craig what did you think about the game yeah i mean similar to you a very happy i mean you know i'm you know i've been back in red for i like you said i have i've been Tony in my fbl team unfortunately you know you know no goals or assists in the first game but you know that'll that'll be yet to come but that's exciting to see that you know they still beat a big six team quote unquote big six team 2-0 without you know their main guy even contributing um, to the goals or assists. And so, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm backing Brentford. I, I'm telling you they're going to stay up. They might even do much better than even I projected them to do in my table. So, um, exciting things for them. Their fans couldn't have been happier. There's that cool picture with um, with the manager and and that and that one fan. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. That was On the sidelines, cool. yeah, that was, that was super cool, wholesome moment. I would um, say one one thing that we're, we should highlight and try to – really focus on not doing today is you know there's only one game out of 38 done so even if your team looked amazing the first week does not mean they're going to perform the same way for the rest of the season and vice versa even if a team like arsenal didn't perform up to the expectations that were set for them uh or at least a team as theoretically as big as they are uh doesn't mean they're doomed for the rest of the season however yes it is worrying to see that they didn't have any visible progress 
from the last year. However, however, again, yes, uh, they did make a pretty big signing this week, this week. I think that they're going to be finalizing the signing, the permanent deal of Odegaard, who is a really, really, really exciting uh, cam for Madrid. And I think that he could be the, like another cog in what Arteta is trying, trying to build at Arsenal. Yeah, no, definitely. And like I said, I actually think Arsenal have a lot of exciting young players. I think that I, I honestly think Arsenal have the biggest group of exciting young players out of any club in the Premier League um, coming through. And so I know that you, they're losing Joe Willock and stuff like that. But um, game week one doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. Obviously, Arsenal are not in a good place right now. But if they can, their, their starting lineup, as you know, against Brentford was not by any means a very intimidating lineup. And so hopefully they'll be able to add to that and bring back some key players as well who are injured. Um, and hopefully for their sake, they'll be able to get a little bit better. But yeah, great game from a, from a neutral perspective. Um, basically, anyone not an Arsenal fan, that was a good game. Good game to start the, the season off with. Couldn't have asked for much more. And then the second game, I mean, honestly, couldn't have asked for you probably. For, I mean, well, yeah, as a United fan, definitely. You know, 5-1 against Leeds who are... I mean, they're supposed to be our rivals as well. I, I'm obviously too young of a, of a fan to understand that rivalry or fully, you know, be in it. But um, 5-1, I mean, I'm super happy with that. But just from a neutral perspective, and maybe you can talk more about this too. Like, I mean, first game was great, but second game probably just even kept that bar high as well. I mean, as far as like excitement and football and fast flow and football from yeah. end to end, no, no dilly-dallying about. I mean, this is a classic Leeds United game where they were going for it from the kickoff and even going for it even more obviously when they went they fell down by a few goals and yeah this game was super fun to watch even though in the end the scoreline didn't reflect the I guess it, it was it was an accurate reflection of the performances by the teams it was still really fun to watch attacking football by both teams you didn't see one side just parking the bus and the other side trying to break it down which in its own right is a fun game to watch but this is definitely I guess my preferred method for watching games and my preferred game style. I'd love to watch the, the exciting games that have back and forth end to end football and man, what a performance from Paul Pogba, you know, four assists in one game. And I think he only had four assists in the entirety of last year. So he three. already had, Oh, three. Okay. So he beat his, his assist tally from last year. And he really looked like the France Paul Pogba, you know, the guy who's pinging balls, long aerial balls and threading through balls down, down the defenders and really just unlocking Bruno Fernandez and all the other United attacking players. So all in all, it was a great day for Man United, obviously beating their rivals or their historic rivals in Leeds. And also um, Jaden, they got their 5-1 win and Jaden Sancho got his debut in a relatively low pressure situation which i think for him is pretty important especially considering he's a player that has so much anticipation and so much expectation um regarding his performances that he he didn't have to come on and save the game for for united he was able to go in and just kind of make a cameo appearance and get that get, get that check checked off the box you know what i mean yeah and the only other couple things to add is, as well even on to all the other good things you said like overall great day for united was um Varane unveiled too and that was like a massive like that reception was, that was super crazy cool. that was really cool um 
Yeah, that was really cool how there. I, I, I'm almost, I'm 99.99% sure that it wasn't planned at all. Like, that's not the reason. The reason Varan wasn't announced for so long was not because they were planning to do that the whole time, but because they hadn't announced him and they had all those problems, it worked out so that they could do it this way. Yeah. Um, and awesome honestly, it worked out really well. What? It was a blessing in disguise. Yeah. And honestly, it worked out well because that was, I thought that was really cool. Um, it's not something you get to see that often in the Premier League. Definitely. Um, from a least perspective, I guess you could say you knew this was going to come where no matter who they're playing, they're going to try to go at them and score goals. So that in, in itself is going to leave their defense vulnerable. And this is just something that we're going to see from them throughout the entire season is basically, can they score more goals than their opposition? Yeah, well, I would also say that like for Leeds, I honestly thought, so yeah, they obviously they weren't, they were doing what they normally do as far as like not, you know, not just sitting back and stuff, but they were United kind of went out and did pull the leads on leads, which I was surprised to see like United were, I mean, they outran them. They were pressuring the ball from the very beginning, like just flocking to the ball, pressuring it, pressing high, winning the ball back, attacking the entire time. And I think kind of caught leads off guard, but it's important to note that Calvin Phillips was missing. And I think it shows in the scoreline that he was missing because He's so important for them because of the way they play to be able to kind of protect the ball, protect that midfield, protect the back line, transition and start their counterattacks, which like they weren't even like, yes, they, you know, obviously they were playing like lead to play, but it's not like they created that many chances. Um, They created a few, but they didn't create that many chances. And so I think he was, I think that'll make a huge difference to them when he's back, but the, the defending was really poor for some of those goals. Yeah. Um, Obviously, like great, great, like you said, Pogba for assists, and you and we forgot to mention actually, Bruno starting off with a hat trick. Um, yeah, I wasn't mad you'll about be happy that for my your FPL team. Yeah, you'll be happy for your fantasy team, and no pens either. All three um, open field goals. goals. Yeah. 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 So, anyways, good one, day, one, good one more, performance. One more thing about United is that you know everyone's kind of saying that they're like a striker away and a defensive midfielder away now, but one key player I would uh like to take a look at this year and keep a close eye on is mason greenwood as he looked pretty really 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 good in this game and if he can take that next step and eventually become the heir apparent to uh, cavani who we assume will be starting the the majority of the united games at striker and definitely hopefully be playing in the most important games and their biggest ones that they'll start cavani up front if mason greenwood can end up being the new United's, I guess, number nine, even though he's not number nine, but like the striker, um, that would be really, really big for them because obviously it saves money instead of having to buy or getting to buy in Erling Holland, they get to spend that money elsewhere and buying a world-class midfielder or something like that. Like how exciting is it for United supporters to know that like we put in that performance, which was, a good performance obviously like you said definitely don't get carried away and, and i do think we are still a, a midfielder at least a defensive midfielder away from like fully challenging for the title but how exciting is it to like see that performance and know that we still have varan to come into that team sancho to like he only came in at the end sancho to come into that team rashford to come into that team cavani, um, cavani to come back into the team like, it's, it's exciting for us. Um, you know, Martial and Van de Beek, also, like, exciting young players you didn't even feature in the game. Right. Um, so we've got, like, a lot of talents still to, to come in. So that's super exciting. But 
Um, so I, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to the season. I, I don't think it'll be a title winning or, or close to it exactly, but I do think it'll be a, an exciting top four season and we'll see some growth from last year and hopefully some trophies on the side of the Premier League. Yeah, that's definitely something that I was kind of contrasting United and Arsenal with as, you know, they're both, even though they're at different stages in their rebuilds, they're both rebuilding giants where you see Arsenal kind of, at least in the first game, showing this kind of the same old, same old, whereas United, they have a, a what it looks like they're making clear progress and they're definitely uh, continuing to level up with each and every week and every, each and every, each and every season. And there's a clear, I guess, a, a path towards what theoretical success could be. Yep, I would agree. Um, speaking about a path to success, though, United and Arsenal, you know, seem to be taking their time rebuilding. One club that's not taking their time at all, and they've never historically taken their time, um, is Chelsea. They're a club that's been addicted to success for the last, um, for the most part, of the last, whatever, 15, 20 years. And if it doesn't come, then they're very ruthless with firing managers, letting go of players, bringing in new players. And they're keeping up that model. They brought in Tuchel. It's worked out well for them, but they didn't sit back and relax. They've gone back and only just spent a hundred plus million euros to bring in one of the world's premier strikers, Lukaku, boy, back big Rome. to Stamford Bridge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty crazy thinking that you see this Chelsea team and we were talking in our FPL, not FPL, our, uh, our Premier League predictions episode about how deep they are attacking wise. And then they go ahead and add someone in Lukaku who fills an obvious gap in at, at their striker position. And not only does he fill it, but he's going to score lots and lots of goals. I think you can just pencil him in for 10, 15 plus goals in the Prem this season. And yeah, I mean, it was a great showing for them. Even without Lukaku, they didn't play a lot of their, I guess, first choice players. I, they had a, uh, one of their youngsters, Timothy Chaloba or something like that. I forget how to pronounce his name. Yeah, yeah. Chaloba. He's going yeah, to go on they're... his debut. You know, like they have all these players that are... Defender. He's a defender, but yeah. Right, yeah, but he scored a goal on his debut. And, right. Uh, and he was able to, I guess, seize the opportunity that when Thiago Silva, as he's getting older, maybe not able to play every single game, um, but they're proving that they have so much depth. And man, they're only going to get stronger with Lukaku. And then on the other side of the ball... Crystal Palace, they have a lot of work to do. I think that um, Patrick Vieira is going to have his work cut out for him this season. And, you know, we talked about how they had made a big, I guess, overhaul in their squad. And right now it's not meshing. They didn't show anything that game. Yeah, and they still have some players to come back, which is good news for them. But Palace definitely have some work to do. Um, But Vieira would have known that coming in and no one would have expected it to be you know, one game turn on, especially against, um, you know, probably the second favorites for the title. So tough game to get started on. Definitely. Um, and then but, just quickly touching on two other games that we don't have to talk about too much, but it was good to see some more newly promoted sides to get, get wins and Watford beating Villa three to two, you know, they Watford went ahead. That was a great zero. game. Yeah, it was a good game. And Watford went ahead three zero and then almost pulled it back or Avila almost pulled it back and they scored two late goals, but just couldn't get that third. So Watford get the, the opening week one W, which is big for a Premier League side, a newly promoted Premier League side to start off on the right foot. And then elsewhere, Rafa Benitez. Yeah, it was. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, um, 
for Watford, you know, one that we've been talking about since since they beat Liverpool pretty much two years ago it, to keep an eye on is Ismail Assar. And he started off with the goal again. And um, actually, Emmanuel Dennis, their other their other forward, who we don't know that much about yet, at least you and I don't know that much about, a goal and an assist. So they've got some attacking talent. So good for them. And Villa, you know, they're, they're still readjusting to the loss of Grealish. They, I think they'll be okay. Um, but yeah, moving on. Yeah, moving on, we saw Rafa Benitez, the ex-Liverpool man, beat Southampton, who, granted, is uh, definitely a weekend side this year, losing Danny Ings, losing Vestigard to Leicester City uh, last week. So, I mean, Southampton got kind of plundered with their top-end talent. The only guy to stick around that, I guess, is James Ward-Prowse, the the childhood boy, the local boy, signed a new contract this week. But mm-hmm. Benitez, I guess, got the job done with Everton on their debut and not really much more you can ask for him yeah so important for him to do that too because he hasn't had a positive reception among the everton fans so to get off started on a, on a good note like that a 3-1 solid 3-1 win both their big men dcl and charleston getting in on the act um that that's exactly what he needed to get started if he started with anything with a loss or something like that um that would not have been good and then he's under so much pressure adding to the dislike that he already has. So hopefully he's taken a good step to winning back or winning over um, the Everton fans. But um, moving on to some of the, we had two more big games. Well, uh, Liverpool Norwich, let's do, I don't know if that's necessarily a big game. It's a big team um, playing Norwich. Um, But uh, this, I mean, this gave me, I'll I'll get your thoughts in a second. This actually gave me um, throwback to, the Liverpool Norwich opener two years ago when Norwich exactly were in the Premier League. And um, in that, I'm not going to, uh, so, okay, first of all, I'm not going to take away from Liverpool at all. Like they did like great performance. They're showing that, you know, they really are back and they want to, they want to fight it out and, you know, be back at the top and they have every possibility of being back at the top. But just like the Liverpool Norwich game two years ago, for the first little bit, like, like, I was not disappointed by Norwich at all. Like, I thought Norwich had some chances. You know what I mean? I thought they could have I thought they could have scored. I didn't know. Like, obviously, you expect Liverpool to win. But I was like, I was like oh, you never know. Something could happen here. Um, and then what was the first goal? There was some luck involved in it, right? Just like two years ago. The first two years ago was an own goal. And once the seal was broken, like, then Liverpool were, like, right. free-flowing. Yeah. And it was, I thought I had a similar feeling today. What was it? It was uh, the ball broke for Jota. It kind of bounced. Around. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not to say that Liverpool weren't playing well or anything, but I felt like once that goal went in, then then Liverpool, you know, like really came out. And I feel like Liverpool got so much confidence from that goal, um, just like they did. And the last time they got so much confidence from that own goal that they went on to win the league. So um, so you never know. Right. But yeah, I thought. Honestly, I thought it was a fantastic game by Liverpool and not 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 a bad game from Norwich, to be honest with you. I, I didn't think at least. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. L- Norwich definitely looked menacing, especially in the first 10 to 15 minutes. You know, they were able to ride the atmosphere. It was an away game for Liverpool. So obviously the fans were hostile in the, in the first game of the season. And I think that they were able to kind of withstand th- that storm. Although, yes, like you said, Norwich did have a few opportunities, but basically from minute 15 until minute 80, I think it was all Liverpool. And then Allison had to come through and make a few uh, really clutch saves at the end to secure that clean sheet. But 
yeah, all in all, I don't think he, I could have asked more from a Liverpool team who, need I remind you, is still a little bit undermanned, right? If you look at their starting lineup, they obviously didn't have Andy Robertson, so Costa Simicas was filling in, and I think he actually did pretty well. He showed that he was a confident yeah. backup for him, and not only, I, obviously, you can't expect him to step in and be as good as Robbo, but his, in terms of like the style of play, he was still able to offer the same style of play. So like Liverpool weren't having to adjust their tactics too much with him sliding into the starting lineup. And also the midfield three, they didn't start with anybody uh, who I think is their strongest midfield three and Fabinho, Henderson, and Thiago, who all should be coming back for next week. And Instead, they pivoted to a Milner, Oxlade, Chamberlain, and Keita um, starting lineup just because of the timing of when these when the other three uh, in Henderson, Fabinho, and Thiago came back from their respective nations tournaments over the summer. So I think that there's still a lot more to look forward to and definitely room for improvement as you see Virgil van Dijk still trying to – he was really good. but I mean, 80% of van Dijk is still better than I think 99% of the other – defenders in the world but you know he's still trying to get his feet on, out from under him after missing almost an entire year um with the torn acl so yeah and then obviously you have to give props to Mo Salah. he got i think he ended up getting two assists and and then a goal for himself so i mean great great season or not, great game and hopefully he's going to lead to a great season for liverpool yeah i couldn't agree more um so with the end of that game we've come to the three out of the i think most people would agree there's kind of a big four this season as far as like the title challenge like city chelsea liverpool and united three out of those four put down their markers um you know showed their intent for this season and all eyes were on the fourth what are manchester city going to do in their first game against tottenham that the two people the two clubs fighting for for harry Kane's signature big harry game super sunday Super Sunday, and what a result. 1-0 to Spurs, North London, bringing it home. Yeah, this was a shocker. I mean, this is what you said, the Kerry Kane derby. You know, we heard the fans of both sides kind of chanting back and forth at each other. At the beginning of the game, you heard the City fans chanting, Kane wants to wear blue. And then afterwards, uh, towards the end of the game, Spurs fans were, were chanting at Harry Kane, saying, are you watching Harry Kane? Because obviously, <laughs> they're, beating, they're beating the team that he wants to beat. So, um yeah, I mean, honestly, you couldn't have asked more from a debut game from Nuno. And uh, I guess you couldn't have asked less from a debut game from Jack Grealish. But honestly... I, see, I disagree with that. I know that I, I thought Jack Grealish looked good. Like, he showed that he has some talent. Like, there wasn't... Nothing actually ended up happening. But I thought he showed that he's, you know, pretty exciting young player. He, he was very, very right, confident. Yeah, obviously, he's exciting. But, I mean, when... You don't have De Bruyne starting. You don't have Foden starting. He he and you put him in the midfield with uh, Fernandinho and Gundogan. He is going to be basically the only creativity in terms of the side. And so when you watch City be so flat and just basically lack movement everywhere on the pitch, I think to an extent it falls on Grealish to be the one trying to unlock the defense. And yeah, you know, I think you have to be fair. Honestly- him, it's just his first game and. A, a system that's really hard to integrate yourself into so you can't be too harsh on them no yeah i mean yeah definitely i would i i'm not a fan of people who would be harsh on him because i actually thought it wasn't that bad of a performance by him i do think that first of all spurs 
Uh, I think it was a great performance by them. Almost, almost every player like did exactly what they were supposed to do from the goalkeeper all the way to the forwards. Um, and then, you know, man of the match, everyone talks about Tengenga. He had a great performance, young player. So, you know, Spurs proved for sure that in this one game, at least, they, they can play without Kane. Right. But, you know, they've played single games without him in the past. They've got a whole season left to do it, like you said. So, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't, if I was a Spurs fan, I wouldn't be like, oh, yep, Harry Kane, you should leave now. I would still very much want him to stay. I mean, yeah. um, but, um, no, but great performance by them. On the City side, I think that creating chances or like getting in, fine, in positions and stuff wasn't an issue. But this game showed how much they need a striker, which they managed without last season just fine. But this season, for like especially this game and the last couple of games, the end of last season and the Community Shield and now this game, I think they need a striker. They need someone who like Grealish and De Bruyne are like passing to all those all the creativity they have, all the good positions with Mares, Sterling getting into these good positions. They don't have anyone who's just in there to finish it off. Um, and I think that's what the game showed. And if anything, this game should push City over the edge and be like, all right, we'll spend whatever it takes to get Harry Kane to the club. Um, and maybe it'll do that. I think it should do that. Maybe it will. But keep in mind, they still have, you know, City are going to be just fine. They have Stone still coming back into the team. They had Kyle Walker still coming back into the team. De Bruyne is just now back. And we saw he came on, he came onto the field. And in my opinion, that game changed. Yeah. Like he immediately created so much more. So him and Grealish together, the City are going to be just fine. Don't get me wrong. But Tottenham did have a really good performance. And so, um, I don't know. I, I mean, it was a great game to watch. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how Pep is able to manage his Pep roulette and be able to put his players in the best chances, not only for them to succeed, but for the whole team. Because, I mean, we saw Jack Grealish thrive on the wing, playing left wing last year for Villa. And yeah, he would slide in sometimes at cam and center attacking mid or center midfield. And just with the amount of players that City have in up front, you know, they have Sterling, they have Mares, they have Jesus, they have Phil Foden, they have Kevin De Bruyne. Like they have all these Ferran Torres. They have all these players that are all fighting for game time. And it'll be interesting to see, I guess, where Pep decides to stick these versatile players like Phil Foden and like Jack Grealish, who can both play in midfield and on the wing. But I fully agree with you that they really need a striker and they need someone who can finish all of the glorious chances that all these brilliant creative players are going to be able to uh, create these all these good goal-scoring opportunities. However, during this game, I didn't really see that amount of, uh, I guess, high-energy football from City that you're accustomed to seeing, especially after the first couple of minutes uh, or the first like half of the game. Um, and also, it kind of makes me think, yeah, you said that City should be for basically giving Tottenham a blank check and sign for them to sign Harry Kane. I don't really think anybody is worth 150 million pounds or 150 million dollars. Just with how much, how that's a pretty ridiculous amount of fee, don't you think? No, I, I mean, I agree. I, I would, yeah, I would, I definitely, I mean, I wouldn't say blank check, but if the, if, if, if 130 is going to do it, then I would pay 130. You know what I mean? Because right. if 100 is what they've offered so far, and if you know 30 million or more is what Tottenham are looking for, then they'll they'll do it. Then then I would do it. 150 is a lot for sure, but I mean, you know, like you said, 
no one's really worth what they're going for in the market today. Well, you didn't say that, but you said it in the past. Right. No one's worth what they're going for in the market today. And everyone knows that. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the day, it's the thing is like you could, from my perspective for city, if you're like, let's say I'm in their chairman's in their chairman's seat, I would rather wait a year for Erling Holland who might go for around the same price, but it's also rumored that he has a release clause next year for a relatively cheap price for a player of his caliber, who is a lot younger than Harry Kane than paying probably twice as much for Harry Kane, who is already 28. And so what you're going to get him for three or four good seasons. And then after that, you don't know. Right. That, that's you- a great point. I mean, that's a great point. And no one really talks about that. And the reason is probably because they'll face a lot more competition for Holland. Um, and also with the amount of money they have, like they're looking for Pep needs. He want not once he needs to win the champions league. Like, as soon as possible. He can't right. keep not doing it. There's so a they want to bring immediate in. success. So if they kind of fiddle away this year, who knows how how good their top players are going to be. Like you never know when a, a player's prime is going to end. Yeah. So I personally agree with you. I don't think um Harry Kane's worth 150 mil. Um I think, you know, if, if okay, it, yes, I understand if Grealish is 100 mil. Grealish is so young though, but okay, we we'll look at Lukaku, for example. Lukaku, if Lukaku is like 100 mil, then yeah, Kane's probably more than that, right? 120, 100, maybe 130 or whatever. 150, I would say, is too much. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's no but actually. It, it is a lot of money, but it's city, so they can afford it. They can pay whatever um, they want. But but you make a good point about like, you know, why not just wait for Holland? Or um, Mbappe, who is rumored to just be leaving on a free next year. I mean, obviously you're going to have competition from big 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 clubs for Mbappe and Holland so you're kind of gambling in that sense but I mean I I don't know I feel like if Kane really wants to go he's still going to want to leave next year anyways so I would wait for next year when there are players like Lewandowski Lewandowski, because there was a rumor that Lewandowski wanted to move but I would wait for next year for Erling Holland and Mbappe and then if that still doesn't work out, then you can still pay a, a, a lot of money for Harry Kane next year, right? By the way, if that Lewandowski thing ends up being true, which I don't really think it is, but if that rumor ends up being true about Lewandowski having any chance to go to City, I would 100% go for him over Kane because he will, I'm assuming he'd be cheaper um, is the reason I'm saying that. Right. Um, I, I also think he's better. Obviously, you can you can contend that. Um and, you know, I'm sure Spurs fans would contend that, but I, I, I just think he's better. He is older, which, which I'm assuming would make him much cheaper. So I would definitely take that deal in a heartbeat because, like you said, then they can go and spend big on, you know, a young striker in the next, in the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, I guess, a, uh, I guess you could say it's a first world problem for a team like City to have where they just have so much money they don't know who to spend it on. Um, but I guess... Like, look at who- United. Look yeah, at United yeah. with, with Eddie Cavani. Like he's not okay. He it um he didn't play that much last season because he took a while for him to work in, into the team first of all, and then like what I don't really know. You know, once he was in, then he was scoring goals every time he was playing pretty much. And he's you know a world class striker who's old, but he's still got it clearly. And hopefully he can show that again this season. But all he needs to do really was to show it for last season and like maybe just one more season, and then hopefully United have like you were saying Mason Greenwood fully developed by then. Or they decide to go big and spend on Holland. You know what I mean? Right. And they didn't spend money on Cavani. So it's not necessarily... You can get maybe not the best striker in the world. I'm not saying I'm not saying Cavani is in the same league 
in you know now as as Harry Kane and Lewandowski, but you can get like world class strikers if you play your if you play it smart, yeah. um, and still are, allow your youngsters to have a chance to break through and develop. You can you can especially with the with the amount of talent City has, I find it hard to believe that they need Kane or Lewandowski specifically to win. You know what I mean? They did right. just fine without a striker last year. So I think if they get a, a competent striker like Cavani, for example, you know what I mean? Someone from a different club just to hold the team together. I think that that would still be okay. And then they could go and get Holland next year and like, go for the top for the next 10, 15 years. You know what I mean? Definitely. definitely. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, that team, they were scoring goals last year without a striker. Right. Um, I guess we can't really, like I said, it's hard not to overreact, but it's, or it's hard to, it's easy to overreact now because of just one game, but we'll see. I mean, City proved that they didn't really need a striker last year because Aguero didn't really play that much. And I think Gabby Jesus has kind of proved that he's good, but not good enough for Pep to trust him every single game. And and I, you can't really fault the results that they got last year. They scored the most goals in the Premier League, right? So um, they've yeah. done it once. So I guess maybe they might be either going cane or bust this year. So we'll see. So long story short, City fans don't get don't be too disappointed, and Spurs fans, well, you can be happy. It's it's a great result. Um, so moving forward now, um, is that all for game week one? What? Dude, it yeah, was a that's great. All, that's all. I mean, it was a great weekend to get that started. Was a great weekend, but I'm looking forward, and I'm excited now because I have Lukaku on my fantasy Premier League team. I made a couple other changes. Um, I'm excited to who else did I have? I picked up I picked up Antonio to add to my forwards. I feel like he's gonna have a good season this year. So I'm excited for for this game week to get started. Um but we've got some exciting games too. Starting with Liverpool. Is that the first game tomorrow? Liverpool yeah. Burnley tomorrow morning? Yeah, tomorrow morning, bright and early. Liverpool. Yeah, early for us. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I guess historically, you know, the early kickoff times are definitely a lot less energies than the prime time games. However, I think that you can really look for a, an Anfield that's rocking uh, tomorrow, I guess, morning for us or afternoon for those in the UK or in, or in Europe. Because um, this is the first time that they've been had full capacity since they won the Premier League. Uh, I guess that was, what, two years ago now, right? Yeah. So, I mean, the fans are still itching to celebrate and just show some support for their team. And I'm really excited to see... Uh, I'm just really excited to watch this game because, you know, I already know that you'll never walk alone will be amazing. It will give, give you chills no matter who you support. You have to watch that. You never walk alone tomorrow. Um, look it up on YouTube or watch it live because Liverpool are going to be feeding off the crowd, off the Anfield crowd. And we'll see if, if, uh, if Burnley can do their classic park the bus and, you know, historically they've kind of tripped up Liverpool, especially recently. Uh, we'll see if, if Liverpool can can break them down this time and 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 win, I would look for Fabinho and maybe Henderson to start. Definitely Fabinho, I think, will start in in the midfield, and hopefully Henderson will start. We'll we'll see. Klopp said that it was basically a, a game time decision. Like they're ready to play, but it's up to him to see if he wants to rotate a little bit still or if he wants to put his first choice players back. Yeah, I mean Burnley at the end of the day is still Burnley. Um, they're going to do what Burnley does. And, you know, sometimes it's successful, especially against the big team. So it'll be 
it, it should be a very exciting contest in a very different manner to how Leeds and Manchester United are yeah. exciting contest. You know, yeah. Um, but no, I'm definitely looking forward to that game to see to see how Liverpool deals with um, deals with Burnley's Burnley's very organized, stubborn play, um, and, and to see how Burnley actually will deal with you know a big challenge in Liverpool. See if they can get out. See if they can get a goal and do what they do. See if Dwight McNeil can have any impact on the game. I'm looking we'll forward to seeing him this season. We'll see. We'll but, see. All right. Moving, moving forward to my team then. Yep. Southampton versus Manchester United. Craig, what are you looking forward to in this game? I am really looking forward to seeing new faces. Um, I see in your notes here, will Sancho start, which is a great question. I think he should, if he's fit and ready to go. Um, I think he should start over Daniel James, who I, I think he played really well against Leeds, but that was the game. That's the type of game that's perfect for him. That's the game. Like he, what he does is he's so fast and he's perfect to play like counter attack and football or like play against team where there's spaces in behind against Southampton. I'm predicting it'll be much different and that we'll have to kind of break them down. Um, there are no leads. Uh, and, and so I don't think he fits in into that game, especially not as much as a, a fully fit Jen Sancho who can, you know, cut, who can, in a tight game like that, create things out of nowhere. Um, and so if he's fit, I'd say play him. Sancho, Greenwood. Um, Pogba down the left, maybe? Oh, yeah. Sancho, Greenwood, Pogba. Or if Cavani's fit again, then, you know, you could play Sancho, Cavani, Greenwood, and then try and fit Pogba into the midfield. Um, but you know Ollie likes to play with two defensive midfielders. So yeah. we'll, we'll have to see what he does. It'll be interesting to see. He's not going to drop Pogba, that's for sure. He just has to figure out a way... To, to work him into the team. Um, I'm excited to see Varane start too, or I'm excited to see if Varane will start. Um, and if he does start, I'm excited to see him play. I think he should start. I like Lindelof, but I, I think Varane's just better. Um, so if he's fit, I would say get him in. I would say get the new boys in if they're fit. I mean, I, I but yeah, hopefully knowing all like Ollie and his style. And I mean, I guess most managers style, like it's hard to, especially for defenders, throw them in after only training with the team for, I mean, how long has he been training for the team for like maybe a week? Yeah. Um, just this week. Right. So, you know, they have to have some sort of chemistry in the back line. So I honestly would not expect Ferran to start. I would think that they would be content with Maguire and Lindelof to start. And then maybe next week when they have two weeks of experience and he has some more game, more time with the, with the squad to, to perfect their tactics. Um, yeah, I think that I would also like to see Veron make his debut, but I don't expect it. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens. Um, What's your prediction before, for Southampton versus United? Score prediction or who's going to win or tie? Because we didn't um, actually. That's the one thing we didn't know, we didn't point out is that we didn't. There was no ties in the. Um, oh in yeah, the first, all decisive results, week, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah, hopefully it stays that way. Uh, I mean, I got nothing against the concept of a of a tie, but in theory. It's less exciting than right than decisive games, but um, I mean, I, I mean, I'll predict that United win, but you never know. Obviously, I'm not like I'm definitely not going in a hundred percent like, oh, United got this in the bag, easy money or anything. Um, but I'll, I'll predict a United win. Hopefully, they can if they can carry forward the performance from last week. Southampton are still a club in, like you said, adjusting right now. Um, so hopefully, United United can see them off, but. It's only the second game of the season. You have 
you have no idea. United have season started seasons bad in the recent past and finished pretty strong and also started seasons strong and finished very badly. Right. Um, or like turned around very badly. So you can go either way, but I would say United should should win that. Hopefully they will. Same with Liverpool. Um, before we get to the biggest game, I would let's touch on West Ham Leicester, which is still, I mean, if you look at last year's table, a pretty big game. Yep, definitely, definitely, um, definitely. Two teams that should be in European contention this year, but might not be. Um, what are we thinking? West Ham versus Leicester. I think West Ham, I mean, they showed why they were, they finished. Here. What do you say? I didn't say anything. I said, what are we thinking here? Oh, sorry. I thought I thought you said something. Um, yeah, West Ham showed last week. I, I guess we didn't touch on this. They beat Newcastle 4-2 last week. Um, and I think that uh, Leicester, they were fine versus Wolves. You know, they ended up winning 1-0, and they were fine. Like, they got the job done. And I think they're still trying to work out uh, how they're going to play. You know, they – have some some shifts around the team and they, they didn't have Wesley Fofana. They're not going to have him the rest of the season. Um, a player who I know you really, really like and rate highly. So, I mean, West Ham versus Leicester City, I think that honestly this could turn into a draw, but not a goalless draw. That's gonna, we're going to see some goals. Uh, and I don't really anticipate... I know we in our Premier League prediction episode, we had put West Ham a little bit lower just due to the fact that they're going to be in European competition, which is going to draw away from their focuses in the Premier League in terms yep. of squad depth and fitness. But and no Lingard, right? Exactly. So I don't think, but I don't think that we're going to see that until Europa League actually starts up. So um, it's going to be a tough game for Leicester and a tough game for West Ham. But I anticipate a draw coming. I agree, actually, with you. I would say a draw, but not. I actually, <laughs> this might make no sense. But I don't think the game is actually going to be a draw. But I don't know. I can't say which team is going to win, if that makes sense. Which That's is why I'm predict- what I said. That's almost what I said. Yeah, which is why I'm predicting a draw. I Not because I actually think it's going to end in a draw, just because I don't know which team is going to win. So I'll just predict the draw um, to be safe. But yeah, this could go either way. I think West Ham got a lot of attacking talent, as we saw in the first game. Antonio looked exciting. Ben Rama... Hopefully he starts to you know fully find his feet because we know how good of a player he can be. Um, that can go either way. I have three West Ham players on my fantasy team, uh, so I'll be rooting for West Ham, I guess. But <laughs> happy to see it go either way, as as in neutral, for sure. Um, and then last just game before John, yeah, biggest game of the w. weekend, Arsenal versus Chelsea happening on Sunday. Yeah. What uh, I'm looking for here, Clay. Sorry, what were you saying? No, go ahead. I was saying what I'm going to look for here is for Romelu Lukaku to come in and just put down a freaking marker and show what he's all about and, I don't know, get a brace, get a hat trick if you want. Um, You think he's going to start? Oh, he has to. He has to. Surely he has to start. Why? I mean, he fit. He, he looks all fit. Arguments why Varane probably won't start. I mean, Lukaku's had essentially the same. Amount you of you made the arguments about why Varane won't start because I'm being realistic and I think that this is doubtful <laughs> that Varane starts. However, I do think Lukaku will start just because of. I mean, I don't know. I just I just have a feeling that Lukaku is going to start. Um, mainly because of the competition that he has in that position. Um, 
especially with Tammy Abraham moving away this this week. Uh, yeah, I think, man, I don't know if he's going to – I'm not going to go as bold as you say he's going to announce his return to the Premier League. And I said he like should. That. That's what I want him to do. All right, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, well, he will be returning to the Premier League, and we'll see how he does. But I think that Chelsea clearly have the upper hand with or without Lukaku in this game. Um, and, you know, historically under Arteta – Arsenal have really struggled against top, top, top clubs and getting results and, or even points from these top clubs. So Craig, do you think this might be a must win game for Arsenal? Like, can you imagine the reaction to them going, getting zero points from their first two games? Um, Cause I but need, I remind you that they play city in next week. So it's very, very possible that they start with zero points out of nine. Yeah, no, I mean, you're not wrong. They, at this point, like every game needs to be won because Arteta does not know how much time he has left. Um, but the first game is what, I, in, to answer your question, I would have said the first game was a must-win game because they knew that Chelsea and City were coming next. Um, this game, I, I don't know how to feel about it because you, how do you go into a game <laughs> with when you know your massive underdogs and call it a must-win game you know what i mean like it's hard to call that a must-win game when when, but i don't know if they have some players coming back they you know they've just brought in odegaard i don't know if he'll actually feature stuff. maybe that'll bring a boost to the squad hopefully they hopefully they actually show up and maybe it'll be close i don't know i'll say i'm hoping for it to be close i'll go for i'll go for a i'll go for three one maybe even three two chelsea Romelu Lukaku masterclass. You going for a hat trick with Lukaku? I don't know about hat trick. Maybe a brace. Brace for Lukaku, 3-1 or 3-2 is your prediction. I think I'm going to go 2-1 or 2-0 for Chelsea. I just don't see a way that Arsenal could get this result. And watch me now be proven wrong uh, on Sunday. (laughs) 6-0, Arsenal demolishes Chelsea. Lukaku, three own goals. (laughs) I was kind of reading something earlier um, in the week and I really kind of, I thought it was pretty insightful that people were saying that like Arteta needs to have patience or Arsenal needs to have patience with Arteta because we're just now recently seeing him being financially backed by the owners and being able to make the signings that he's liked, you know, he, they got Partey last, last year and then they got Ben White and um, Odegaard now. So kind of similar to how, Ole was kind of, I guess, because some people would say he was on the hot seat for a little while until um, then the United board started backing him and they started buying the players that he would like. And so I think that you can't really make a fair judgment on a manager's ability to lead the team until they're able to manage the team that they put together, if you know what I'm, if you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, I mean, and that's fair enough. I do think that it's not like he's been completely ignored. Like he got a decent sign. He got a decent amount of signings last summer. Like you said, important signings. Like if you remember, people were excited about Arsenal going into this season because they signed defenders, which is what they needed. And then they brought in Partey, which was kind of like the, the missing piece because the, the forward was supposed to be figured out, you know, Aubameyang, Lacazette, they were scoring goals plenty in this the end of the season before um, Pepe. Yeah. And like the youngsters coming through. So, the, so that's one reason it's different because yes, you know, he's still getting players and, and I agree like new managers need time, but he is, he's had some backing, but the other reason it's different as well is because 
Manchester United never finished eighth um, under Oli. And so that's a little bit different. It's because there's a certain level to where you can drop. And th- you can flip that question and say, if, if Arteta should be like, they should stick with him, then why was Oli ever on the hot seat? You know what I mean? If we were right. still finishing top four under him. Um, I, I mean, I hope Arteta, I, he seems like a nice guy. So I hope, I hope he figures it out just because I feel bad for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you definitely make a good point now that he's getting all these signings in, like maybe he'll be able to do something with them and show, I mean, he, he's used to coaching Manchester city with Pep. So, yeah, so he's used to having, having unlimited, <laughs> he used to have empty list or bottomless pockets. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that, yeah, like, like you said. I, I would really hate to see um, Arsenal sack him before the end of the year, before he can really get one full season with the, this team that he's put together. Um, even though it could be choppy waters for them this year, um, especially if they do end up losing to, uh, on Sunday and they end up losing the next week, which you could say is pretty probable considering who they're playing against. Um, that they start zero for nine on in terms of points and three losses out of three. Um, and then you'll start hearing the rumblings of Arteta, Arteta out, you know, all these uh, you'll see on go on Twitter and say that people are calling for his head. So I really would try to preach patience to the Arsenal fans. Like you've been patient long enough. You've already been bad for a <laughs> long time. You know what? What's another year? <laughs> yeah. Instead no, it'll be stopping the project that you've kind of already bought into and not starting over, but like taking a step back, you know, because yeah, it takes time for a manager to lay his foundation, especially in a team that is a project. Definitely going to be a really interesting year for, for a lot of clubs. Um, a lot of clubs kind of in that limbo where it could go really badly or really well, not just like clubs in the top 10, even like, you know, you think about like Newcastle, who seem like they have so much, at least to me, they seem like they have so much excitement. But to, I guess, most other people, people are feeling pretty pessimistic about them. Um, but I, I, I think they've got a chance of, you know, doing solidly mid table. Brighton are another example. You had them finishing mid table. I had them I finishing last in the league. And they won last week. And they won. So um, I don't know. Lots of teams are going to, this is going to be a fun season. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. For it. Yeah. And we'll be, um, I guess my new catchphrase now will be we'll be pumping pumping these episodes out like whales um, <laughs> as we as we go through the season. So I'm looking forward to, to doing this every week. But that about wraps up our game week one recap. You got anything else to add? No, I don't. Just follow us on Twitter at CC Foot Podcast and uh, leave a like or subscription or whatever you do on, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get us or listen to us from. And yeah, we'll catch you guys next week when we'll be once again recapping the upcoming games or the games that just happened and then previewing the next games so thanks guys